And now introducing Mr. Keith Lanton. Hi, good morning. Today is uh, February 14th, just about mid-February, and uh, Valentine's Day to everyone uh, and uh, your significant others. A lot to talk about this morning. Uh, Wild week last week in the financial markets, and that's being... uh, replicated this morning as uh, you may have woken up uh, to futures that were uh, down over 250 points on the Dow, and uh, currently we have uh, swung back to near even. So uh, the volatility that that we saw at uh, the end and middle of last week uh, persists this morning as uh, news uh, flow continues to uh, come in from discussions between the Russians, the Ukrainians, the Americans, uh, the Germans and the French, as uh, diplomatic efforts uh, continue uh, to uh, avert a Russian invasion of the Ukraine. We've got a lot other events to talk about, including some of the effects of uh, of that uh, geopolitical standoff, as well as, uh, of course, the Fed and the expectations about a uh, increase in interest rates and the uh, very uh, strong CPI we saw last week and uh, how that may be uh, influencing uh, the financial markets. Then we'll move on to Barron's and uh, cover story in Barron's uh, talked about sports betting and wagering uh, that, uh, of course, uh, preceding uh, the Super Bowl, which I hope everyone uh, who uh, watched uh, enjoyed the uh, game yesterday, close game, good game, um, and uh, lots of entertainment at halftime and uh, lots of entertainment uh, during the uh, the Super Bowl uh, advertising where rates were uh, up to $7 million uh, uh, for a one-minute Ad. And then we'll talk a little bit about uh, tips and uh, and bonds and talk about why tips have uh, not been performing well this year, which may be counter to uh, some expectations given that inflation's running red hot. And we'll talk about uh, some of the uh, possible reasons why that is and the, uh, some of the fundamentals of the tips market. You're hearing lots of folks uh, advising that uh, investors take a look at tips given the inflation that we're seeing out there. And we'll talk about whether or not uh, those uh, those recommendations are still timely, or if uh, perhaps uh, people are looking in the rearview mirror. So, get started this morning. Uh, Going to uh, share with you a few uh, quotes and comments uh, regarding uh, regarding Russia. Certainly, uh, that is uh, a uh, very uh, timely uh, timely uh, time to talk about uh, Russia. Um, Winston Churchill said, "Russia." is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Henry Kissinger recently said the attitude of the West and of Russia toward a crisis like Ukraine is diametrically different. The West is trying to establish the legality of any established border. For Russia, Ukraine is part of the Russian patrimony. Otto von Bismarck, a former unifier and leader of Germany, said the secret of politics Make a good treaty with Russia. Former Senator Bill Bradley said, at the end of the Cold War, the prevailing view in Washington was that the U.S. was strong and Russia was weak and we did not count, and Russia did not count in a unipolar world. We disregarded Russia's opposition to NATO expansion, the Iraq War, and the U.S.-led military intervention in Serbia for the independence of Kosovo. Colin Powell said, Russia isn't going to start a war. They can't afford it. I think Mr. Putin can be dealt with if we stop screaming at him. You can work with the guy. You have to know who he is. And Joe Biden recently said, 
I have no doubt that Russia will and should be a major source of energy supplies for Europe and the world. So on that note, taking a look at the markets this morning and futures, uh, which have now uh, rebounded to be slightly in the green. Uh, Dow futures are now up 23 points. S&P futures are up 2. NASDAQ futures are up 5. Russell futures are up uh, 5 points as well. And this is all on uh, reports uh, that... Uh, there perhaps could be a thaw in the uh, conversations between the West and Russia. Uh, Russian Foreign Minister of Foreign Affairs, Sergei Lavrov, said there's a chance for an agreement on security issues. Uh, prior to that statement, S&P futures were trading down about 1.2% on fears of Russia invading Ukraine. The news comes after there were no reported changes in diplomatic relations over the weekend and a White House statement indicating that President Biden warned Russian President Putin that the U.S. and its allies would respond decisively and impose swift and severe costs on Russia if it invades Ukraine. In the uh, Treasury market, uh, the reaction to the potential thaw is uh, a reversal of some of the gains that the Treasury's experienced very rapidly on Friday. Uh, Treasury market, like the equity market, uh, being whipsawed back and forth, uh, making it uh, certainly a uh, challenging uh, time for traders. But uh, Brad could speak more to that uh, a little later. Um, the two-year now is up almost seven basis points uh, to 158. So that is a significant increase in yields on the two-year. The 10-year is up three basis points, uh, approaching that 2% level again. It's up to 198 after getting as low as about 190. And the 30-year is up about 2.5 basis points to 228. Um, so what we see is that curve uh, starting to uh, flatten some more again uh, this morning after uh, some, uh, uh, some, some steepening um, based on uh, the uh, politics uh, on Friday. Some comments about Russia. Uh, Reuters saying that uh, Russia could retaliate to future U.S. sanctions by blocking access to semiconductor manufacturing components. Um, some other uh, comments uh, and news this morning outside of uh, uh, the situation uh, with Ukraine and Russia. Uh, San Francisco President Mary Daly, who is not a voting member of the Fed uh, Open Market Committee, said she supports taking accommodation out of the economy, but she says abrupt and aggressive action can be destabilizing, according to CBS News. The New York Times is reporting that uh, the Ambassador Bridge in Canada, which uh, connects uh, Windsor, Ontario, and Detroit, where a significant portion of uh, automotive trade uh, takes place between the U.S. and Canada, um, said uh, that uh, that bridge has been cleared of protesters, is now open, um, but protests are continuing in Ottawa. New York Times reporting that the Supreme Court has denied a request from teachers in New York City to block New York City's vaccine mandate. Um, that news uh, coming out over the weekend. <coughs> some uh, some foreign markets. Uh, we're seeing uh, weakness uh, overnight in uh, the Asian markets. Uh, markets uh, across the board uh, in Asia were down. 1% to 2%, with the exception of Australia, which was up uh, three-tenths of 1%. European markets, which were down about 3%, uh, have come back and are down um, about one5 to 2% um, as uh, seeing a recovery here from the, uh, from the uh, geopolitical situation. But as, uh, as we've seen, uh, this, is a, uh, this is a very developing situation, and things can change uh, very 
quickly. Uh, just uh, just now, uh, uh, Fed Governor Bullard said the Fed needs to front-load tightening because inflation is possibly accelerating. We'll talk about um, that and the possibility of a 50 basis point increase uh, in interest rates, which I think is what uh, Governor Bullard is uh, possibly uh, referring to. Some individual stock news. Uh, this morning, Splunk, symbol Sam, Paul Lucky King, is up about 10 points this morning, or about 9% in the pre-market, after the Wall Street Journal reported that Cisco is aiming to purchase the company for $20 billion. Micron Technology, symbol MU, is uh, up about half a percent after the stock was upgraded to outperform from neutral at Wedbush. Uh, Rivian in the news, uh, the uh, auto company. Uh, which has sold off significantly in uh, recent market uh, downdraft, um, reports that George Soros in the fourth quarter invested about $2 billion, which uh, as of uh, this morning was worth about $1.2 billion, um, but uh, perhaps a vote of confidence from uh, that hedge fund investor. And Blackstone symbol BX um, reporting that they are going to be spending $6.3 billion to buy Australian casino operator uh, Crown Resorts, um, that stock uh, in the pre-market uh, was uh, was down uh, slightly on those reports. Taking a look at uh, commodities, oil um, easing slightly, about 50 cents uh, to the downside. Uh, natural gas is down about, uh, actually natural gas is, uh, is now up about 13 cents or 3%, so um, natural gas not quite uh, buying the uh, possibility of a breakout in peace quite yet. Uh, gold actually moving higher, up $17 an ounce to $1,858 an ounce after gold had rallied strongly on Friday. Um, gold uh, has not been inflation hedge that some had anticipated, but perhaps uh, um, that is changing. Silver also up strongly this morning, up uh, almost 2% or $0.45 cents, uh, an ounce. Taking a look at the currency market, uh, dollar relatively uh, flat. Uh, against the most uh, currencies uh, so far today. Looking forward, um, news uh, we get uh, starting tomorrow. We get uh, some, uh, some some prominent names, especially in the travel space, Airbnb and Marriott reporting earnings. Um, also Rob- Roblox uh, and Viacom with the earnings tomorrow. Wednesday, we get home builders releasing the housing market index for February, expected to stay about even um, from January. Also, the Census Bureau reporting retail spending data for January. Expectations are for a 1.9% monthly increase after a 1.9% decline in December. Thursday, Intel is hosting a conference call to discuss its business strategy. Um, Friday, uh, John Deere is going to hold a conference call to discuss their first quarter results. And the conference board is going to releasing its economic, uh, its leading economic index indicators for January. Moving on to uh, Barron's. Um, Barron's uh, talked about uh, the situation in uh, Ukraine. Um, stock market dropped because there's something scarier than rate hikes. Um, Barron saying the market was making headway this past week, shaking off inflation and rate hikes and the specter of Omicron. At Friday's peak, the S&P was up 5% from its January 27th low when Fed Chair Powell spoke and spoke in investors. And then we got a double whammy on Friday afternoon. Um, we got news uh, that Russia was potentially going to invade Ukraine. And we also got news that uh, the uh, vaccines for five-year-olds, um, that the decision was uh, going to be delayed. And then on Friday, we saw the S&P drop 1.9%, um, leaving the 
index down 1.8% for the week. Most of that decline coming in the last two and a half hours of trading. Dow lost more than 500 points on Friday, closing down for the week 1%. NASDAQ was down 2.8% Friday, closing the week down 2.2%. Investors can't blame rising prices for Friday's plunge. Markets were poised to end the week higher, despite a hotter-than-hoped-for inflation reading on Thursday. Escalating geopolitical tension was the problem on Friday. Uh, both the United Kingdom and the U.S. suggested that Russia could soon invade Ukraine and advise their citizens to leave the country. Now, to keep uh, things in a historical context, geopolitical tension isn't good, but it doesn't have to do permanent damage to the stock market. Uh, the peak to trough move in the S&P 500 when Russia annexed uh, the Crimea um, in 2014 was about 2%, and then in 2014, markets went on after that to go up another 11%. Still, the news uh, was uh, something of uh, concern, and the uh, markets uh, certainly hate uncertainty. One thing that may be different today than 2014, markets are concerned with how China will react uh, and which uh, side, so to speak, they may take in this, uh, in this conflict. Um, if uh, China was to uh, vocally and vociferously uh, advocate for Russia, that would indicate a shifting of global alliances and uh, perhaps uh, a shifting of uh, what the world order as we know it. And uh, that would be a more significant shift uh, that could influence markets more than some of the previous other, uh, you know, political tensions that we've seen uh, in the last decade or two. Um, also, uh, on Friday, we had uh, the COVID-related issue being the second problem. The FDA said it would delay meeting to approve the COVID vaccine for children under five. That might seem like a minor setback with Omicron infections falling, but it could be a bigger deal than even Russia. Any sentence that involves the, world, the words FDA, more time, delay, vaccines, and children could shake confidence. The group that we're talking about needs vaccines the most um, because uh, those are the working families with young children and lower earners are more susceptible to COVID disruptions. Families, especially mothers with young children, have been leaving the workforce faster than families without children, according to Fed data. Against this backdrop, you have the specter of the Fed, which is likely to raise rates multiple times to combat rising prices, inflation, Russia, vaccines, um, and that is all the bad news. Um, Barron's is then going on to suggest, well, what, what, about, what do we do now? Um, should we buy the dip if we get another dip or the current dip? And they suggest the answer is probably yes. Uh, they say the market discounts things before they actually happen. So if you're making a decision based on what you know currently and aren't concerned that there's going to be another shoe to drop, um, then a lot of the bad news they're suggesting um, is potentially already priced into the financial markets. And that bad news includes uh, the possibility that the federal uh, reserve may increase interest rates not by 25 basis points in March, but by 50 basis points in March. And the probability of that happening um, went up significantly last week. According to CME FedWatch, um, which uh, monitors uh, Fed developments and uh, expectations of Fed moves, um, the markets uh, are now almost uh, universally pricing in a 50 basis point increase instead of a 25 basis point increase in Fed funds futures at their next uh, meeting. Um, Bank of America recently um, joined Goldman Sachs in calling for 
more Fed rate hikes than they had been pricing in uh, previously. On Friday, Goldman Sachs had suggested that we were going to see seven rate hikes uh, this year. Um, and they now see the Fed funds rate topping out at two and a half to two and three quarter percent in 2023, um, which is somewhat earlier than they had uh, anticipated the peak in Fed funds rates previously. Um, this would most likely leave the cost of money in negative real terms, um, but still a lot less easy than it was uh, just uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, markets are experiencing volatility like uh, we haven't seen 1994. So I was talking about those uh, Fed funds futures and the probability of a hike. Um, as of Friday, the po- probability of a 50 basis point rate hike at the March meeting had risen to 96%, uh, and that is up from a probability of just 24% uh, before the hot inflation data we got last week. And if you went back a month ago, the expectation of a 50 basis point rate hike at this meeting was just 7%. So very quick change in uh, expectations, and that also feeding uh, the volatility that uh, we are all feeling and experiencing uh, while following uh, financial markets uh, uh, day-to-day um, here at Herald and Lantern Investment. Barron's uh, talked about the uh, gambling market and uh, sports betting, um, this uh, being uh, certainly uh, the weekend of the Super Bowl. Um, and talking about the uh, tremendous uh, paradigm shift that's taken place as uh, professional sports teams, which uh, as recently as a decade ago um, were adamantly opposed to uh, sports gaming and gambling and questioning how uh, the integrity of their sports would be challenged if such a thing were to happen. And now we see uh, leagues like the NFL um, uh, embracing uh, sports gambling uh, with, uh, with open arms. Uh, this year, uh, sports betting has uh, seen a bonanza like never before. Uh, bettors were on track to wager $7.6 billion on the Super Bowl. That's up 78% from last year. Legal sports gambling has now spread to 30 states in Washington, D.C., so 130 million Americans can now legally gamble. Um, in the four years that it has been legal, both the amount of money bet on sports and the amount counted as revenue by gambling companies has risen nearly 1,000% to $57 billion from $4.3 billion. In New Jersey, which led the way for sports gambling, um, $10.9 billion was wagered in that state. That's $1,200 for every man, woman, and child in the state. Yet the business is still in its infancy in the U.S. as a handful of companies fight for positioning. Uh, position within the market flooding newly opened states with ads to grab customers. Now, the market's dominated by a few uh, players, and we'll talk about uh, which one Barron thinks is uh, the best position going forward. Uh, but the big players controlling about 80% of the market are DraftKings, MGM Resorts, Flutter Entertainment, which owns 95% of FanDuel, and Caesars Entertainment. Other players are Penn Gaming and Bally's. Gambling companies have spent $725 million on TV ads in 2021. Put that into perspective how much they're spending. That's three times as much as on serial ads. Um, that level of spending in addition to investor, uh, in, invest in, in addition to gambler giveaways to bettors, uh, means that these companies, uh, are reporting and could report losses for years to come until consolidation <coughs> winnows the field down and uh, a few winners emerge. Now, one of the um, unintended consequences of uh, gambling and sports gambling and uh, and all of these ads is that we are starting to see a dramatic uptick in gambling addiction problems. 
Um, youngsters who are seeing these ads um, are indicating that uh, that they would like to start uh, placing wagers and participating in sports gambling um, as soon as they possibly can. And what this is doing potentially is uh, setting us up for a problem in years to come um, with gambling and gambling addiction um, as these ads proliferate and as uh, apps make it easier and easier to very quickly place your bets. Um, what uh, I think we may see uh, coming down the line in several years um, is perhaps uh, regulation of gambling ads, something that uh, we see in tobacco and alcohol advertising. Um, this uh, is something that uh, may manifest itself as uh, addictive problems uh, surface, and we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg. Um, but for some statistics on uh, gambling, um, we're starting to see uh, that the percentage of people needing to borrow money or pay their bills because of gambling has tripled since 2018. Calls to the National Gambling Hotline soared 45% um, in 2021. In New Jersey, calls to the state's gambling hotline about sports betting concerns more than doubled in the last two years. Um, and then speaking about those kids, very young children can remember the gambling terms that they see from ads. Um, that can sort of replicate the excitement in the ads and indicate, the, as I said before, that as soon as they can, they want to begin placing bets. Um, but where is the uh, potential opportunity, given that there is lots of money being spent and there's lots of cash being given away and uh, the losses um, in the industry, despite the growth of the industry, are piling up? Um, for example, uh, DraftKings uh, lost point. $2 billion in the first nine months of 2021 on $823 million in revenue. Uh, Barron suggests that uh, perhaps uh, the best uh, stock uh, to consider in the sector is Flutter Entertainment. The symbol is Paul Delta Yankee, Paul Yankee, uh, which owns a controlling stake in FanDuel, which is the number one online sports gambling company in the uh, in the world ahead of uh, DraftKings, and uh, it is uh, anticipated that Flutter this year will do an IPO of uh, of FanDuel. Um, Flutter is the online betting leader in the U.S., the U.K., and Australia. They own 95% of FanDuel, and they also own PokerStars and U.K.-based BetAir. Its U.S. listed shares are down 25% in the past year to $75. Per share. Shifting gears, I'm uh, just going to mention uh, one stock that is a uh, conglomerate that uh, certainly has gotten a lot of uh, attention in the past, and that is SoftBank. Uh, SoftBank uh, symbol is Sam Frank Tomboy Yucky, uh, or yellow, I should say. Um, and, uh, and SoftBank uh, is run by Mr. Sohn. Um, who has uh, gotten uh, lots of attention for uh, some of his uh, some of his aggressive bets, including WeWork? Um, but Barron's uh, suggesting that uh, SoftBank may be uh, the best way to participate in the chip sector, which has been red hot. SoftBank uh, bought Arm Holdings for 32 billion in 2016. Nvidia agreed to pay 40 billion in cash and stock. Uh, for ARM, um, although the value of that deal inflated to about $80 billion as NVIDIA shares rallied throughout 2021. Uh, that deal did not pass regulatory muster, and now 
Uh, SoftBank uh, is uh, saying that they will do an IPO of uh, of Arm Holdings. Analysts suggesting that Arm Holdings could be worth $45 billion to $60 billion in an IPO. You can't buy Arm shares just yet, but SoftBank gives you a way in. SoftBank shares are down more than 50% from their peak, and the company is aggressively buying back stock. Uh, so Barron says SoftBank is one of the cheapest ways to pay to play the relentless demand for chips. Before I turn things over to Baron, Brad, I said I was going to talk a little bit about the tips this morning, and uh, Morningstar um, did a report, and uh, it was entitled, Why Are Tips Losing Money? Last week, inflation was reported at a 40-year high, posting a much stronger-than-expected rise, but inflation-protected funds um, that invest in tips racked up losses, extending declines post the start of the year. What gives? Well, in a nutshell, investors are getting a lesson in the dynamics of the Treasury inflation-protected securities market. Just because inflation is high and rising doesn't mean that tips will be making money. Often what matters more is what is expected to happen to inflation in the coming months and years ahead. This is an idea that where it looks simple and obvious, why not just buy tips if inflation is rising? Um, The answer is that the market perhaps has already anticipated what would happen and is looking beyond what is currently happening. So while inflation readings have been getting hotter, um, investors have also been expecting the Federal Reserve to take more aggressive action, like raising rates 50 basis points, potentially at the next meeting, to put out the fire. With tips selling off, the market isn't reacting to the inflation news. It's reacting to expectations of strength by the Fed. So far this year, the iShares uh, tip ETF, TIP is down 4.5%, despite the fact that inflation readings are running red hot at over 7%. Um, in fact, if you take a look at what tips are implying um, as to what tips are saying will be the interest rates going forward, and this is something that's done by taking a look at the current treasury rates and then taking a look at the current tips prices, and you can calculate what the markets are expecting uh, for inflation going forward based on how those uh, tips are being priced. And what's happened is is that the five-year, uh, the five-year tip um, was suggesting that uh, inflation was going to run at 3.2% um, for the next uh, several years, and that was in mid-November. Well, that five-year break even now has uh, dipped down to 2.8%, and the markets are now expecting uh, the 10-year break even to be at about 2.4%. Um, now, this is uh, the expectations that are being built by the investments of some of the uh, uh, most prescient and knowledgeable bond investors. Now, that doesn't mean that they're right, um, but it does mean that they think that inflation will moderate towards the Fed's target of 2%, um, suggesting that the 10-year uh, inflation target will hover somewhere, at least based on current expectations, of about 2.4%. So, we're now at this uh, at this uh, inflection point um, where it's up to each individual investor to make their own determination of whether or not uh, tips are an investment that makes sense. So basically, if your expectation is that uh, over the next five years, inflation will run hotter than 2.8%, over the next 10 years, you expect inflation will run hotter than 2.4%, then at this point in time, tips uh, make sense as an investment, and uh, you should be allocating a portion of your uh, investments uh, to that sector um, to take advantage of uh, the fact that you expect inflation to run uh, hotter than the markets are currently uh, predicting. And at the very least, uh, PIMCO recently uh, came out uh, after these uh, tip break-evens had, uh, had dropped, 
and say that they see it as an opportunity for investors to take out insurance against the possibility that inflation will prove stickier than it has been. With that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Brad, give us some more insights uh, into the markets and uh, specifically uh, the fixed income or bond markets. Good morning, Brad. Morning, Keith. Good morning, everyone. Hope everyone had a good weekend. Uh, once again, football did not disappoint uh, this weekend as it has been throughout the entire playoff season. And it was uh, absolutely a great diversion uh, to get away from what's going on in the markets and the world. So I hope everybody enjoyed the game. Uh, as I said to Keith and some other uh, active market participants the other day, this market has truly resembled an ugly boxing match filled with highs and lows. Uh, many days at the end of the day, you have to pull yourself up off the tarmac. Uh, many days, all products have moved in tandem uh, to the downside, and there really hasn't been uh, many places to hide. Uh, these comments are for those, of course, uh, like me, traders and others that are watching the market every day. For the lucky ones who do not watch the market every day, diversified portfolios do work over a long horizon. As many as uh, quarterly... Many should consider quarterly reallocations uh, when there are extreme moves in certain markets. Uh, rebalance your portfolios based on uh, tax planning, and uh, you should be looking to maintain the levels of percentages of each uh, of each product that you want to have in the portfolios. Uh, I know most accounts will uh, do semi-annual or annual out reallocations, but with volatility like this, uh, you may want to do it more frequently. Uh, just when one thinks they have everything all figured out, a curveball gets thrown. As on Friday, when the fears of an imminent Russian-Ukraine invasion were flamed, the 10-year Treasury was moving moved from 2.05%, on a, which, which seemed that it was on a, a clear path to higher rates, back down to 1.92%. So you never know what kind of outside factors are going to come on in and affect the market. In the meantime, uh, municipals last week were thrown out again uh, with the bathwater. I said last Monday that I wasn't pounding the table yet on munis, but I was certainly tapping my fingers hard. This week, I am tapping even louder. Uh, with the 10-year hovering around 2% and the 30 around 2.25%, uh, municipal bonds uh, are, are trading uh, with close to, if not 3% yield at par, and they're showing up. Uh, this is a tremendous pickup. Uh, please remember that 3% in, for someone in a high tax bracket in a high tax state is close to, tix, is close to 6% taxable equivalent yield. Uh, for those adverse to premiums, two and a halves and two and three quarter municipals are now abundant at a discount. And uh, don't forget that is still relative to where the 30 year treasury is at two and a quarter percent. So it is a really nice pickup. Uh, this week could be a flush-out week, finally, in municipals. It inevitably always happens, usually a few times a year. Uh, the buyers are, are usually some form of a crossover buyer. Hedge funds come in, foreign investors come in, and sometimes even taxable accounts come in because the pickup in municipals is just too big to overlook relative to other products. Uh, so for those that understand the spread between municipals and governments, uh, are getting too wide, uh, keep an eye on that as part of your uh, investment thesis. Have a great week. Thanks. That's everything I've got. Thank you for listening to Mr. Keith Lantern. This podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Pandora. 
For more information, please visit our website at www.heraldlantern.com. Opinions expressed herein are subject to change and not necessarily the opinion of the firm. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The information presented herein is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide personal investment advice. It is important that you consider your tolerance for risk and investment goals when making investment decisions. Investing in securities does involve risk and the potential of losing money. The material does not constitute research, investment advice, or trade recommendations.